Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Today I have Art Kamaker. Did I say that right, Kamaker? You said it perfectly. Perfect. Founder of uh, Kamaker and Associates. So immigration attorney, just Mr. Hart. Uh, Esquire, Hart Esquire. Well, uh, Hart, Hart is fine, although a lot of my clients do call me Mr. Hart, so you're kind of <laughs> on the mark there. <laughs> you help people kind of transition to like almost grow their business outside the United States. I mean, Canada, I think, is one of the big, big focuses, it seems like. But do you do other countries, uh, other areas? So, no. So, we just, we focus just on Canada. So, helping, you know, companies... You know, bring ta- bring bring their talent to Canada if they want to start operations here, or companies who are already established in Canada who are looking for talent that they can't find in Canada to help them bring that talent to Canada, help them grow their business. So it's just focused on Canada. I mean, you know, th- there are lots of regulations and mm. um, and thing and those regulations and rules are changing all the time. So really, it's it's probably enough just to be able to keep track of one country and be able to do that well. Yeah, I would, I would imagine so. <clears throat> With uh, how often are the the laws and the rules changing for for immigration in, in Canada? Often, so you know, j- just as because it's very policy di- like as in any country, immigration is one area of law that's really policy driven, and so it does affect it does have an effect based upon the government of the day and what their policy is. So, when governments change, then you see changes in policy, but also being reactive to uh, different aspects of the economy and where the government at any one time is trying to grow the, grow the economy and trying to attract people to Canada that will help them grow certain sectors. So, I mean, high tech is, you know, the one that has been around for a, a little while and certainly, in, and that's where, you know, there's certainly been a lot of focus and trying to facilitate um, people coming into Canada that can help in that, in, in the high tech and, in, in the computer industry <clears throat> a, a question i've been, I, I started to, to really ask more is do you have a elevator elevator pitch and if you do what is that so you're an elevator really quick someone asks you what you do what your company does okay so we are immigration lawyers that's all we do every all day every day we do everything to do with immigration so we help people come to canada we help workers come to canada but if you happen to be unlucky and not have gotten into Canada, then we can help you with that as well. And we're small, so you get very personalized service. You know, you know, if you speak to me, you're going to deal with me 80% of the time. You're not going to be speak to me and then say, okay, that's it. You don't see Hart, Mr. Hart again at all. So we, we you know we really pride ourselves on that, on that, you know, lawyers here on the personalized service that you speak to the lawyer and that's who you're going to be able to have access to throughout the process. Do you rewinding a little bit to like a young heart were did you always have a an idea that you're going to be in law that you're going to be an attorney or is that or later in life i think later in life probably not until university until undergrad at university i think is when that that that, that came about De- okay. definitely uh, growing up did, did, didn't have that in my mind what, what was it, what was your original like goal dream i guess when you were younger um that's a good question. I, you know, medicine might have been more of what I thought about as I was going through high school, and that changed. I think once I got into university, 
or maybe the later later years of high school and once i got into university undergrad so you got into university when did the idea of okay i'm gonna start going this direction kind of really start playing out okay so i I think i was one of the people that got to university and i you know was in arts and i didn't really sort of have a direction you know and then i kind of you know at the end of second year i said you know i'm getting i'm getting close i'm like halfway through this and you know probably not going to be able to do a hell of a lot with my bachelor of arts degree so you know what else can i do and i think the area you know the area of law interests me I, i mean i think i always wanted to do something where you're interacting with the public medicine you interact with the public this you interact with the public so you know having you know interacting with the public on a day-to-day basis like seeing people speaking to people you know not sitting in an office just working on papers so i do enjoy that part of it most of the time well when you you said that you uh were originally thinking of art right of the art degree i mean when someone thinks of art right you think of creativity right so when so so when i say arts actually i mean like the humanity so i i oh, okay, I, okay. I did um sorry sort of that confusion so i did an undergrad in sociology so okay so like well, social science so um you know which, which has some you know connection in some ways to law and certainly to immigration yeah, yeah. Law. lots of social science and immigration law <laughs> so you're 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 in university getting education uh what's the transition get, get the law degree when do you actually kind of want to have a focus in immigration was it during university or later on so later on after i gra- after i graduated from law school and um, got called to the bar here in Ontario where I am. And uh, it, as I think it is not uncommon, it's, I sort of fell into it. So, you know, I graduated, I was called to the bar in Ontario in 1990. So it was, um, it was, you know, a time where, you know, sort of recessionary and not, you know, not huge amounts of jobs for lawyers. And I got a call from somebody who knew somebody I knew that they were looking for a lawyer because they were very busy. They happened to do immigration. And then I pretty much never looked back after that. So, you know, it, it was more just what was present at the time, as opposed to being in law school and saying, this is what I'd like to do. Well, I mean, I, I know in, in the United States, there's a huge cost associated with most, I guess, most uh, getting your law degree, going to school in Ontario. Is it, similar is there i mean it is now not when i went to school so yeah now it's expensive uh not when i went to school it was um it was not well you know even in i I think even in real dollars like even in 2021 dollars it wouldn't be as expensive as it is today but now it's costly especially you know the top law schools are you know it's to me but by Canadian terms are costly. So maybe the top law schools, this is probably cheap in US US terms, but you know, 30,000 a year, which in Canada is a lot. So I paid far, far less than that. Do you think it would have changed, I guess, how you would have looked at a a job or opportunity based off of if you had your, I guess, degree in today or? Yeah, it, it might very well have. I mean, especially if I was coming out of school with some debt or a lot of debt, then I think that certainly probably would have played into um, what kind of opportunities I would have looked for, what kind of opportunities I, I would have waited for. So, uh, so it's possible. I mean, I can't say for sure, but undoubtedly, I think students are coming out today have much different considerations than the ones that graduated from law school at the time that I did. Now you, you join this firm. What's the process? I mean, there's, 
definitely a difference from uh, books, book education to actual what actually happens. So what was that process for you uh, kind of putting things to practice? So I think it's just like I was with two young, like fairly young lawyers, like they were older than me, but not a whole lot older. Who had sort of been running their own firm, not for that long, I think, when I came in. And uh, so I had a lot of very hands on experience, I think more than I would have gotten if I was in a bigger place. Not that immigration law firms tend to be really big, but if I'd been in a, in, a, in a firm that had four or five lawyers as opposed to two or let's say six or seven, I don't think I would have gotten the same kinds of opportunities I did. So I had like really hands-on learning, like here's a file, do it, here's how you do it, figure out the rest, and, and, that, and that was it, good luck to you. And, uh, and and I think at the end of the day, I think I think that worked out well for me because I was able to learn like relatively early on, you know, files that were, you know, I think somewhat complex. I mean, it was hard in long hours to figure it all out, but I think at the end of the day, it served me well. And, and you know, when young lawyers have come in now to work for me, I mean, I tell them that story and and I give them, you know, obviously with my guidance and mentorship, mentorship, but I give them like, you know, things that perhaps their friends who are working at firms that have seven or eight lawyers aren't aren't going to do for three or four years, but they're going to do, you know, maybe in the first six or seven months or first six months to a year that they're here. What do you, what do you think you, you picked up and learned from kind of your own journey to kind of, like you said, having the conversation with the, the new hires you bring on, uh, what did you pick up from how you were taught compared to how you teach? So I think, so I think for, from the people that I learned from, I picked up, you know, I, I, I picked up different things from different people, but I think the, the primary thing, which I always try to import part to the young lawyers is, you know, the, the, we're here to serve the client into, which is, which is obvious, but to try to get the client from point A to point B with as few obstacles as, as possible and really try to get the client what they've come to ask you for. And sometimes, you know, you have young lawyers and they can be very idealistic and you know and especially if they have you know social justice you know flowing through their blood which is not a bad thing don't say that pejoratively um you know that they say oh i'd like to do this and i'd like to do that and i'd say okay that's fine but you know is that you know and that, that that might be a noble goal but is that really ultimately serving your client i think you just have to get your client from the easiest way from the time they walk into the office to the goal that they reach and just be practical about what um, prepackable about how you deal with files, and I think one of the things is, you know, you're off. Like we're, we we are dealing all the time with, are really we're only dealing with government officials, whether that's lawyers at the Department of Justice or whether that's people in the Immigration Department, the Border Services Agency, whatever the case might be. And I think, you know, sometimes obstacles get thrown up, and you know, again, you can be sort of high and mighty and say, well, I'm gonna challenge that in court and challenge this in court and I'd say okay that that's fine but you know that might be for another day but really this is what the client needs and here's a way to sort of get around that it, you know as uncomfortable as that might be to get the client where they want to be so I think that's a long answer but I, but I think the bottom line is really I, th I think you have to deal with clients practically and not necessarily in a more theoretical way and I think young lawyers come in with sort of a little bit more of a theoretical way and and when you and the other thing is you, like there are a lot of nuances i think in life 
period. And so, you know, which, which you have to understand, but certainly in law and when you're dealing with the public, I mean, in law, especially there, there are a lot of nuances, which you do not learn in law school. And, uh, and you have to learn those as you go along. And I think if you I tell them, if you can understand these nuances, then you're going to be far better off as, 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 as you move down the road. And, I, and the last thing would be, I think, how, how people on the opposite side perceive you so I, which i think is 100 percent important so whether that's government officials because sometimes we come across the same ones all the time I and mean, they do change over time and certainly i've done kind of long enough that some are long gone but and also if we're dealing with litigation like with refusals we're dealing with the department of justice you know i think how you're perceived like if you're perceived like you're a straight shooter what you say you know you mean what you say and what you say you're going to do then i think over time you're going to build up that kind of reputation and I think you're going to get better treatment from, you know, your 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 counterpart than if you kind of try to shade things or um, make things appear make things appear the way that they're not. And I just tell them not to do that because that's not going to serve you over the long haul, which means it's not going to serve the people who are ultimately going to be coming through the door. How do you? So as you bring on team members to, to your team, right? And we're, we'll get to the point of transitioning from being under someone else's firm compared yeah. to building your own. Yet you, you talked about the idea of how people perceive you, right? Yeah. How do you, I guess, train your team members to interact with other people? Because I would think it'd be something over time or is there a system that you put in place of how the communication happens? So, so it's not a system, uh, really. I mean, one thing I do tell like lawyer, young lawyers who've come in to work for me is like everybody's style is different and so you don't have to mimic my you don't have to and certainly you shouldn't mimic whatever i'm doing exactly because everybody's personality is different and i think especially in the practice of law you need to find a comfort zone that fits what's comfortable for you and that may not be comfortable necessarily for a lawyer who's coming in you know who's coming in to work for me, they, they may be comfortable doing things that I have never been comfortable doing and that's fine. So I tell them you have to sort of, you know, build it based upon what you feel comfortable, but it's not a system. It's really, you know, about being, it's about being a straight shooter is what I say. You gotta be a straight shooter. Like you're, it can be no BS. And really, I think, I think, and, and I think, so when you tell somebody on the opposite side, this is what I'm going to do, or this is what I think, you know, initially, for sure, if you're young, they're going to say, oh, that's a young guy, you whatever, a young person, <laughs> don't have to listen to them. But I think over time, you build up that reputation. And I think that really helps because if somebody on the other side who's going to either be, you know, arguing against you or perhaps you're trying to negotiate a settlement with that person or it's a government official that you're trying to get something from or an approval from, I guess, is a better way to prove it, to, to, to say it. Um, I think, again, you're, you're, you're going to... Um, get much better reception if they say like, you know, like that this, you know, not, not like here's Mr. Hart or Hart Kaminger. He's like, you know, full of, you know what? And, and you know, you know, and this is, this application probably is the same. Whereas, you know, you know, here, he, the, this person's upfront about everything, you know, the weaknesses, the strengths, whatever that, that, that need to be shown, you know, obviously you have to, um, be, you know, you have to use, use tactics in, in how you do something like that. But 
but but I think you know your integrity is important. I think the integrity that people see you as being somebody with integrity, I think that goes a long way. You know, if somebody on the other side has no integrity, it doesn't matter, I think, whether you have integrity or not, because I think it's just, you know, it's like, there's nothing you can do about that. You just have to work with that. And that certainly happens. So for your the people that you bring on, the, the new team members, right, is it more in the hiring process or the training process that you you make sure that they have the integrity, that they can carry themselves in a manner that you'd be proud of? How does that, how does that work out for you? Well, I think you do try to, look to the, to the best extent possible i think you try to vet people in the hiring process i mean you know somebody once told me and i think it's 100 percent true so you never know what somebody's going to be like until they actually start working for you and uh and i think i think there's a lot of truth to that so but but a lot of that comes actually in the training process so here's the file and the, you know what do you think of it and coming back and having a discussion about what we're going to do in a file or we're in a business where we often have problematic situations that need to be fixed and how how do we fix that situation and again you know discussing a particular file about how we're going to fix what would have gone wrong on you know in somebody who would try to do something on their own for example which is you know does happen it's common I, I try to do this on my own and this is what happened well, let's rewind a little bit. So you're when we, you you're back underneath someone else's firm. When did the idea of kind of building your own brand, building your own firm, kind of uh, start coming about? So that's a good question. So so I think I, I think that it just sort of happened. Like I think for 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 a few years, I wasn't happy. You know, working for because I'd worked for somebody else for. Uh, like a long time, like well, 12 years, which is fairly long. And, um, you know, and then probably I would say in year nine or 10, maybe even later in year eight, like, you know, you know, I, I wasn't a hundred percent happy just working for somebody else. And it, it, and I think it was really more of, you know, getting rid of that inertia that was preventing me from setting out on my own. And, and I guess the, the fear of, you know, is this going to work? You know, because at that time I already had a family, and so I think that um, I think and so. So it was really just um, I'm not happy here, and I just need to do this, and need to be confident that it's going to work out, and, and it did. And as as with I think many people like me, you know, when they do it, they say I should have done that a lot earlier. <laughs> Because I'm a lot happier, <laughs> it, it, you know. I, I think you're, there's there's different challenges when you're running, you know, when you're working for somebody else, and then when you're running your own business. It's, you know, when you're running your own business, it, it has its own challenges. But I think there is something nice about being able to, um, you know, control what happens or what goes on. Do you think there's anything they could have done um, when you were kind of? not happy there that would have kept you there for the long haul i don't think so no i mean there were some discussions about that at the time and it's a long time ago now but um i would say likely not and, and you said too that it was a couple years of not being happy there before you actually transition out do you remember i mean because i because i've talked to a lot of different people and that's usually the kind of story is that they're in corporate world and something they don't like and over time they kind of transition out and start their own business or sometimes it happens instantly 
were you building up to this or was there just a moment where it was like, you know what, I can't deal with this anymore. I'm leaving tomorrow. So, so no, I, I think it wasn't, it wasn't an instantaneous thing. It was something that built up over time. I mean, it might've been instantaneous to say, this is building up. And then at some point saying, okay, I, I just can't do this anymore. And I need to, I, I need to get out of this. So, but it definitely built up over time. Like there was definitely, you know, two to three years where I said like that, I don't see where this is going and I not happy and, you know, I'd likely be happier doing my own thing. And, and as I said, you know, you know, a couple of months in, it's like, why, you know, <laughs> why did I do this three or four years, years ago instead of now? It, so it was a couple months after you, or you said a couple of years, a couple of months into it that you actually said, I'm on the right track. Yeah, I think a couple of months in, like early, like fairly early on, like I'm like I'm on the right track. This 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 is the right thing for me, and you know it's going to be a you know a tough couple of years until we put that foundation down. But but I could see that it was definitely worthwhile, and I was much happier. Um, uh, and, and you know, and I was lucky because when I went out on my own, I managed to find an office space. Like I rented an office from another firm, and they were very supportive, and um a very good group of people and 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 some of them were more experienced because i was young relatively young at the time so you know having those more experienced people around was also very very helpful and, and look i think that that also helped me like I, I was fortunate just to sort of fall again to fall into a place where the people were very supportive and you know gave me suggestions of well, you, should, you know, saw how I was doing things. I don't think you should do it that way. And maybe you should try this. And, you know, some of the things that they suggested to me definitely worked out well. What are some things that you kind of wish you would have knew before you started your business that you know now? Um, I, I think one of the things is, which I learned sort of in, in the early part, is that, um, like, when you make decisions about the business and maybe about personnel specifically that if things aren't going in the direction that you would like them to that you have to change that quickly not sort of that much you know not not let it linger if that's the right word because i think it's very you know if it lingers too long it's very hard to undo you know certain things that employees are doing it becomes hard to undo those things i mean not impossible but it can be hard and, and and uncomfortable. And so, you know, one of the things is to say if if employees are are doing things that are not um, are not you know not good for me, let's say, or not, what, what I don't think is good, maybe overall to like change those quickly, not like not. Well, let's see how it goes. Let's see what happens with this. So that was sort of one of the harder lessons I think I learned early on, like to undo those things if they linger too long can can be difficult rather than doing it right away. And, and we talked before you got on, on mic, I mean, talking about hurdles and kind of working through and you brought up the idea of kind of COVID times. I right. mean, that's been so kind of walk us through what's what's been what happened or what went on through that time. OK, so, yeah. So, you know, when COVID hit like really. So that's in March of 2020. Thing, everything sort of shut down for several months, maybe half a year or year longer in Canada and the U.S. And um, so business was very slow. And so that, um, you know, you know, you, you have like a flow of income that kind of, you know, starts to drive up, dry up over some period of time. 
and um, the um, it, I mean it, it came back. So there were there, there were those financial challenges, but also the challenges with respect to having people work from home. So we had a little bit of a way for people from work from home, but but we had the staff. People came in every day. You know, the staff weren't expected to work from home and generally did not. I mean, I did so, but on the weekends, but or, or if I was out of town. So being able to get the server, which we had up to sort of a standard where everybody could log in at the same time and it wasn't like clunking along. So, you know, that was one of the challenges communicating with each other when we weren't all in the same space in a way that was efficient was also another challenge that we had and which we found a solution to. And I think ultimately, you know, about where, you know, a year and a half in about where, where we're going with this and, um, and thinking, okay, well, uh, and we had an office where we had tenants. So we, we, we had an office that was too, like, we didn't have enough lawyers to fill the offices as, as the pandemic went along. So, so one of the things we all, we did, we looked into actually starting in about a year ago, exactly, but didn't come to fruition until this past summer is moving to smaller space because the thought being that, you know, people may not be, you know, we may sort of just have this sort of system where people are in the office two or three days a week and working from home the other days of the week. And so, um, you know, we do, we do just the nature of our work. We have to have some people in here. People have to be in here at least a couple of days a week to, to get their work done. But, you know, seeing that some people could be relatively efficient from home uh, made me decide, look, I mean, that's one thing. I mean, they can, you know, we can save on rent by, by having a smaller space. And so, these were kind of some of the, these are the things that flowed from the pandemic. You said we, we decided, is it? Well, me. Yeah. Me, I'm, I'm the we. I'm the do, we. You, uh, do you have a, like a, um, a group of people, a network of people? Do you have someone that you bounce ideas off of? Or is it simply you kind of like sitting on it and kind of take in how you should transition or change or do things? Well, I think my, my, so I do have like some business people, so like accountants and other people that I would, you know, bounce ideas off of with respect to um, what would be the right way to go. I mean, my spouse as well, I do sort of bounce ideas off of hers also. And so she's, you know, a, a huge support. So I think that, um, but the, yeah, those, like, not amongst lawyers. I, I mean, I, di I did canvas some of my colleagues during the pandemic about how they were operating their offices. Certainly, I think as the pandemic started to drag on and bringing people back to the office and how to bring people back to the office. So I did have discussions with colleagues about what they were doing and um, you know whether that would fit, um, whether that would fit what we were doing. And in, and in some cases, th their suggestions were helpful. <clears throat> And was there ever like a, a time where, I mean, because being that you're bouncing off these ideas with other people and maybe kind of trial by error, there has to be some kind of frustration, I would think, because there's probably been some decisions that didn't go as planned. Uh, you're talking with respect to the pandemic? Pandemic or just, just in, in, in general. Yeah. I mean, oh, how do yeah. you have to deal with that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure there's frustration because things don't necessarily go as 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 you plan as you hope that they will and you know whether that's with um 
lawyers that have come in that, that, that I've collaborated with over at, at certain points or and that and that can you know that it just doesn't work out in the way in the way that you envision so that can certainly cause frustration I think as well when you set in place systems um, to try to make things more efficient that they don't necessarily work in the way that you would hope to I mean I think definitely we've sort of been we've been pushed I think to a certain extent to be more efficient because of the pandemic because we've definitely implemented more technology than we had previously so that's and, and and it's you know at the end of the day it's cost savings to me you know because you know, certain things like 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 you know like we use very little paper now because then pretty much everything is scanned and uh you know and we almost everything we send i would say everything pretty much say anything like 80 percent of what we do is sent electronically some by paper by courier but it's few and far between you know, it's like when we moved, we, we moved to different premises in September, you know, one of the discussions was whether we should still have a fax machine because we, because we, we never fax. <laughs> I can't remember the last time we sent a fax. Anyway, we decided to keep it, although we use it very, very, there are a few occasions when we do need to use it. So I guess it's okay to have, but, but those kinds of issues, but I think just generally to your question, yes, I mean, you can implement systems and, and, and there are bumps in them and they don't, necessarily work in the way that you envision them to sometimes that's because when you actually think of something and put it into practice there are issues that come up that you don't foresee you know other times because you know people just necessarily don't do what they're supposed to do that's probably more frustrating than you know seeing that that's maybe hasn't worked in the way that we've envisioned it to what do you do to, in during those times of frustration i mean is it how, how do you how do you relieve like that stress is it like reading is it Working out, what is that? Well, working out, yes. <laughs> I try to relieve the stress. I mean, I find, like, one of the things I do try to do is, is like, I'm not great at it. I mean, I think I'm better than I was before, but really try to leave the office at the office. So, you know, like, going home and, um, and, and just, you know, relaxing once I get home. And usually what I do is I... You know, uh, you know, I, I leave my phone and I put my phone down in the kitchen and then I don't take it to whatever other room I'm going to. And so, like, I don't look at it and um, and, you know, so I, you know, that sort of relieves some stress, but really just trying to leave it th that at home and and trying to leave that at the office, like not take it home with me. So and really on the weekends, I mean, it, it, it it's a very labor intensive job. So. You know, I do try to take it, you know, and this might sound strange to some people, but I do, do try to I do try to take it, you know, one day where I don't have anything to do with work, like, you know, checking emails or anything. I mean, fortunately, the clients don't generally email me on the weekend. Um, it doesn't mean that I don't get in first thing Monday morning. They, they have an email between seven and eight, you know, hoping that I see it right away. <laughs> but they generally, they generally don't email me on the weekend. So the, the email traffic isn't huge. So, um so those are the kinds of things I try to do and, and, and to work out to try to, and, you know, I have played tennis in the past, so pandemic kind of interfered with that, but you know, that, that I found was a good outlet as well. It like, is, is that something you wish you would have knew when, as a, as a young attorney or what's a piece of advice if you could like talk to your younger self, that person that just got out of uh, law school? Well, I think to have, I think to have more work-life balance than I've had throughout my career. So I think that, um, 
yeah, to have more work-life balance. So not like to make your whole life work and to really take time for yourself and, you know, for your family as well. I think that's extremely important and to find an outlet. So, you know, something where you can forget about what's going on in the office um, and in, in the practice and just lose yourself in whatever it is that, 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 um, that you like to do. I mean, you know, you know, sort of, this is more on the practice side as opposed to the management side of the practice. But one thing I have, again, tried to impart to younger lawyers is, look, you've got, you have cases, you can become very invested in them, especially in immigration law, and it doesn't go the way that you hope. And I think one of the things that I try to impart to them, and it's not easy, I know, even for myself, is um, because in this job, you can get like a compassion fatigue after a while. And I, you know, one of the things that I say is that you, 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 um, you have to move on, right? There's somebody else, you know, there's, you know, you know, Mr. A didn't work out for Mr. A, but you know, Miss, Miss B is waiting for us. And so you have to really move on. It's one thing that old like mentors of mine said to me, like, you know, so like, you know, so like, like if you have what you consider a bad loss, maybe the best thing is go home, have a drink, forget about it. Things will look better in the morning, which they almost always do. And, you know, have a good night's sleep and come back to the office and start again. And I, and certainly done that, you know, I've done that where, you know, just you know, that's it for today. And I'm just going to, you know, cut it off for today and come back tomorrow. And, and you have to do that because I think if you let things, like you can drive yourself crazy, I suppose, is, is the way to put it, if you let these things linger. Oh, I, I totally agree. There's been there's been files. There's been situations that I, I they're like echoes in my mind. And you're like, oh, my, I have to forget about that echo. I got to focus on the next opportunity, next situation. So I can totally right. appreciate that. I mean, if if we were talking, let's say in five years from now, where do you see yourself? Where do you see your practice going? OK, so it, it, five years from now, I'm, I'm hoping maybe, uh, you know, I, I think pretty much the status quo. I think I'm not necessarily looking to, uh, I'm not necessarily looking to, um, to, to, um, massively in, in, increase what I've done. Cause I've been doing it for 30 years in, in, uh, February of next year, 2022. So, so I, so I'm not, uh, I'm not looking sort of to massively in, increase things. Um, really, you know, sort of try to keep the status quo, try to keep what we have, try to continue to deliver good services, try to attract new clients, obviously, and, you know, within sort of a managed growth area rather than sort of a, an exponential growth, which is kind of what we, I would say, we've experienced over the last, I would say, seven to 10 years. And, and we're sort of, I'm sort of at the point, but th this is obviously a discussion for the younger lawyers about where they see themselves as I hopefully you know, see myself, not five years from now, but maybe 10 years from now, working less, hopefully. If someone's listening right now and they're looking to to expand into Canada or they're in Canada and they're looking, I mean, for other opportunities of expansion for immigration and things like that, what's the best way of them kind of getting more information about your, your, your firm, about yourself, about learning more about it, process? So, the, so, so I think the best way to learn about us is through our website and we've got a great website which has a lot of information on it and then they can contact uh me directly if they have any you know questions or issues that they want to discuss and we can see whether or not we're a good fit to help to help them do what they need to do 
and and if you're listening right now there's a lot of uh a lot of uh hearts information in the show notes so you can probably find it there uh ways of getting in contact i mean any last words that you kind of want to throw out there any last ideas that you want to throw out to anyone listening right now so I think just if like if you need help getting into Canada, I think that we're really the right place to come. Uh, we've been successful in helping many companies and individuals, you know, make their way to Canada to work and to live. And as I said, at some, at, I think early on when we were uh, speaking this evening, uh, okay, you really you get personalized service. I mean, it's one thing that I've, you know, pride myself on is to um, is to really give personalized service that you know you do speak to the assistant obviously but if you need to speak to me that or the paralegal but if you need to speak to me then there's no sort of barrier that says no you can't speak to Harvard. <laughs> you know if you need to speak to me you've got my extension or my email and and you'll undoubtedly get in touch with me and i think you know i think that's you know because we're smaller we're not we're, we're not you know an eight or nine or ten lawyer firm so this is where i think we can differentiate differentiate ourselves you know from other people well, well i appreciate you uh heart for for being on the podcast thank you for giving kind of all your insight i mean i think there's so many things that people could take away listening to this but i think it's one of the big takeaways is something you brought up is the idea of separating life and and uh, work balance right there because i think that's probably what slowly kills a lot of us business owners out there is that kind of constant like i have to do better i have to change this or why did I go this way? But having that separation will probably give you longevity, allow you to smile just like if you've been watching us on the YouTube, Mr. Hart's been, been smiling throughout the, the platform. So thank you again, guys. Uh, please subscribe. Thank you, Mr. Hart. Please go find him. Look in the show notes and have a great one. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.